Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of the Sailorville podcast. Uh, it looks a little bit different today because uh, I am in quarantine. So this is my home studio, basically me sitting downstairs in my basement on a child's chair and my laptop on a kid's table. And Abe, uh, you're over in the building, right? You can see Abe yep. here. We're, we're doing this via Zoom. And we're not exactly sure how this is going to work out, but hopefully uh, you're able to, um, hopefully you're not Zoom fatigued yet. And so you are just going to love this Zoom podcast here today. This is for our Sailorville uh, people and anybody else that happens to be tuning in this week. And uh, Abe Miller, my co-host today, has just been a fantastic friend uh, for a very long time. We met Abe, tell everybody how we met way back in Chicago in 2000 and what? Two, 2002, was it? I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah, it was, uh, we were both youth pastors back in the day. Back when we knew everything, had all the answers. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we were in Chicago on a mission trip and we were getting ready to head into the city and we were in our vans and we both looked at each other and said, do you know what we're doing? Nope. <laughs> do you know where we're going? Nope. What's your name? And that's how our friendship started <laughs> years and years ago. And uh, we, we always did think, man, maybe someday we'll get to work together. And that was what, four years ago, three years ago, four years ago, you came on staff and. Yeah, five years this, uh, this Christmas. Five years. Yeah, yeah. wow. And we're yeah. still asking those same questions, ironically, aren't yep. we? Yep. Where, where are we going? Yep. What are we doing? What, uh, yeah, do we're know? still, still friends. <laughs> We are friends enough that when I was asked to do the podcast, I thought, hey, Abe Miller, who, correct me if I'm wrong, you've not been a, on a podcast. No. Oh, my goodness. This is this the is very first, first one. one. Wow, I feel very Abe. special, very privileged to be and to do it with you. I mean, I couldn't be more excited. Wow. That is there's a, maybe a sense of sarcasm there, but uh, I, I appreciate you <laughs> nonetheless. I'm very glad to be your first podcast experience, Abe. So thank you for joining us. Yeah. Abe, um, you have, uh, you've got a, uh, a fantastic family, married to Jesse, and you've got five kids. One of them, the oldest, Isaac, was an intern with us at Sailorville this last summer. And uh, he was on a podcast with a couple of the other guys just a few weeks ago, did a fantastic job this summer, um, looking at potentially going into ministry and maybe some of your other kids too. Just, just from a very big, like 50,000 foot view, Give us an idea of what it's like to be a husband and a dad of five kids uh, in this in this COVID environment right now. Yeah, it's uh, we kind of got back to the whole schooling thing, so that's been interesting. With our kids go to Seidel uh, Public Schools here, and they so they they're essentially online Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, going to school on Thursday and Friday. So it's, yeah, it's just, you know, we get, we're getting tons and tons of emails, like almost every parent I've heard that. So it's, uh, it's definitely interesting. And yet some of our kids are in after school activities or before school activities. So they're going early then coming home and going back to school and then coming home. So yeah, it's a, it's a little tricky, but my wife is doing a great job. Jesse is doing a great job of managing that and keeping track of everybody. And so, yeah, it's, we've got three kids driving. So the, who's taking what car and when are they coming and drop me off at work and pick me up. And yeah, it's, it's wild, but it's good. It's uh, you do what you got to do, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess you do. Uh, you're, you're a great example of uh, balancing all those things, blending as much as you can and taking your kids along different places. And uh, I, Abe, one of the reasons that I asked you to be a part of this today was because this last Sunday at Sailorville, we wrapped up our series on sort of a summer preaching series on the Ten Commandments with a message on the Tenth Commandment uh, in the King James. It's thou shalt not covet, right? So Exodus twenty seventeen, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, anything that's your neighbor's, you know, don't, don't, uh, don't lust after anything that's not yours, essentially. And um, you've been a great example of of contentment in uh, in the time that I've known you, and probably not perfect, but um, close to it at least. But uh, wanted to have your take on some of this stuff as well. And you were around on Sunday to hear the message and maybe get some of your take on the um, the principles of uh, coveting versus contentment. And we all have the sickness of coveting, but 
um, God has given us the opportunity to experience the cure, which is contentment. But um, just from a big picture view again, Abe, maybe speaking to some of uh, the men here at Sailorville specifically, uh, how does how does this idea of coveting, which is basically setting your heart on something or someone that's not yours, it is very lust-like, you know, as lust is to the sexual side of sin, coveting is to maybe the materialism or the greed side of sin, it, maybe not a fair distinction, but it's a similar kind of thing. Uh, how, how have you seen this over the years, especially in men? And then as a youth pastor in, in the lives of teenagers, but specifically recently in the lives of men here at Sailorville, this idea of coveting and, and just having this heart desire for something that's more or something that's not yours. Yeah, I mean, the whole topic is, is uh, it's kind of a, it's kind of tricky. I think it's, it's, it's one of those taboo topics that the church doesn't really want to talk about because it's so personal and it, it it's it can be an addiction on a lot of levels of just the achievement the the pursuit and i think that's probably a lot of it with guys specifically i mean it's it's conquering it's climbing to the top of mount everest and hitting the summit and saying i i've won you know and i think that's a lot of it that just continually pushes men specifically to say yeah, I need to climb the ladder. I need to have the bigger house. I need to have the better truck with the better car and more toys. And my kids are in sports. And then we go on these really great vacations. And it's just like, what's the next thing? So, yeah, I think it's it's really easy to point. You know, I can specifically go through and say, I'm good at this in this area, this area, in this area. But then there's always something. You know, I think we all have that there's always something that we're looking at or wondering if I could just get that one thing, if I could just get that job, that mm -hmm. would give me satisfaction. That would, that would be it. And, and a lot of us would say, yeah, we've done that. We've been there and we've gotten it. And three months later, you know, six months later, after you get the new car, you're like, yeah, it's, it's a new car. Like, okay, no big deal. Now it's dirty and the kids are in the back seat and there's food everywhere. And you're like, it's not so cool anymore. So I think it definitely is a, is an ongoing thing, but it's personal because you're, you're messing with people's hobbies, which is what we usually try to hide behind, you know, or our passions that it, it, um, you, you do your stuff and I'll do my stuff, but don't, don't ask me tough questions. That's, that seems to be the typical response you get when you start talking about this topic of coveting or pursuing things that take the place of the Lord which is, you know, what your message was essentially was we have to find our satisfaction in Christ, but it's just, we're bombarded with it. It's everywhere we look, it's everywhere we turn, you know, get this, buy this, somebody else has it, somebody else did it. And it's a, it's a, you know, I struggle with it for sure. I mean, I, as even as you were preaching on Sunday, I thought, man, I am thinking about, Oh, if I could just get that new bike, that would be sweet. If I could just get that new car, Oh yeah. I mean, I started listing things out as you were even preaching through it thinking, yeah, I can see where, you know, what's the next thing? What do I want? What do I want to get to? Yeah. And I, my goodness, it was, a, it was in some ways a tough preparation process for me because, <laughs> because of all those things you just talked about, you, you ask yourself as you're preparing to preach something like that and share that, uh, am I actually living this out? Am, am I, am I uh, preaching to myself? And of course the answer is yes. And it always should be yes. You should, anytime you teach or share or preach or, or even lead a small group or a one-on-one -on -one thing, it should come from your heart because it's touched your heart first. And yeah. you should be the first accountability in your life, leading yourself first before you try to even, uh, you know, impact other people. But yeah, it was tough. It's tough to think through as you walk around your house, as you as you walk through your garage, as you look out in your driveway at the neighborhood you live in and the stuff that you have, like, um, man, am I really living this out uh, before I preach it? So you said a couple things there, Abe, that, that uh, I just want to highlight. One is the this idea that, um, and I fall into this, and maybe we can sort of unpack this and see when it becomes a negative thing, but you said you we're kind of always looking for what's next, what's next, what's bigger, what's brighter, what's newer, what's better, you know, um, 
like that guys like you and I, that that's a little bit of our personality. And I don't mean, I guess that kind of comes across as an excuse or whatever, but God made us that way. Right. So <laughs> we're always looking to make things better and, and how can we do something in a, in a more efficient way or a way that helps more people grow or in a, in a way that, I don't know, attracts people to the gospel better. I, however you want to say it, when does that cross into that area of, now we're talking about sinful coveting when we're constantly looking for what's next instead of being satisfied with what we have or, or whose we have, as we talked about on Sunday. When does what's next become a problem? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I've got the exact answer and you can, you can give me feedback or disagree with me or whatever, but I think there, to, to me it's when it becomes like I have to have it. You know, I have to, I have, if I don't get this, um, my life is ruined essentially. Like there's such a, there's such a, a drive for it, whatever that is. If it, if it's materialistic or if it's affirmation, confirmation, um, people liking me, whatever that is. Like if I, if, if I don't get that, what's my response? Is my response, I'm okay with that Lord. It's okay you're sovereign, you have a bigger plan, you see better than I see, or is it, no, this is my plan. This is what I've drawn up. This is what I want. And if I don't get it, I'm essentially going to throw a fit like a three-year-old just in a, <laughs> in a manly, manly body that we can cover it up a lot better, but inside we're throwing a fit. And uh, that, that to me, like when I start to get like anxious or angry when I don't get certain things or it doesn't work out the way I want, then I, that, that, that stops me. That stops me and says, this has become too important to you. Mm. You, you. You've made this an idol, whatever that is. And that, that's when it, to me, it crosses a line of, because obviously yeah, we're, we're meant to work. We're meant to work hard. We're meant to pursue. We're meant to climb the mountain, you know? So we, we, we can't have this lazy mentality like, well, whatever, you know, we're just going to sit back and, not do anything. And, you know, there's not that either, but keeping it in perspective and asking ourselves, is this something that's going to wreck me um, if I don't get it? What do you think? Yeah, that just that last phrase, is this something that's going to wreck me if I don't get it? Am, am I like, am I willing, am I willing to sin in order to get this? Am I going to be angry if I don't get it? Uh, what, what's my response going to be if God in his sovereignty has decided to keep this from me. Um, yeah, you sort of fill in the blank there and, and it comes back to be a real heart check, a real motivation check. And I think for me, that would be part of it too. And uh, why do I want that? Why do I feel like I've got to go to what's next? Why am I so passionately pursuing something better? Even from a church perspective, you know, we're, we're servant leaders here at, at Sailorville and you know, part of our role is to shepherd our people under Jesus. And we, uh, in that role, want to want to feed them and want to lead them and want to help them grow and uh, sometimes challenge them and, and always encourage them. And uh, why do we want to do that? What's the motivation to helping or to what's next or to um, creating paths that lead to people becoming more like Jesus? And I've got to check that in, in, in my heart. Why am I doing that? Uh, is it because I want to be known as somebody that is just good at that? Or is it because I genuinely do want the Lord's will in these things? And so that applies to things like stuff and things like status and things like success and, you know, three S's that'll preach. Uh, so there you go. There's Very your nice. outline. Very nice. <laughs> There's your outline for next week. Uh, yeah. So it's more than just stuff, but that what's next can really start to eat us up if we have to have it. And if it if our motivation is um, is for is for us to be seen as better or as something something bigger, yeah, yeah. I think kids, I think kids too play into that. You know, kids have become a major player in all of this. You know, what am I? What's the perception of my kids? Are they athletic? Did they are they the best uh, musical player? Whatever whatever it may be you know, we find our status in that, we find our affirmation in that, and that can be just, it's the, it's the same thing. I mean, it, this is such a broad topic. I mean, you can, you can go after anything that is, you know, taking the place of the Lord that I'm looking for my fulfillment in or my satisfaction in, 
and uh, you, you can cross up. I don't do these 10 things, but I, if we dug deep enough, we could find 10 things that you probably are, you know, you're passionate about and I want, and I, I desire those things and I'm not getting them in my time frame. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's really good. And, and just because you don't struggle with it in this specific area, doesn't mean that you're free of it. Uh, just like every sin, you know, it, it, it bleeds into other areas of your life. And that specific thing may not be the idol, but you may have an idol of something else, uh, whether it's like you said, a, a job, a status, um, a, a vacation, a car, uh, a, new, a new bike. I don't so much struggle with the bike, the bicycle thing, because I just can't, I can't get over the outfits, you know, so. Yeah. The... <laughs> you, you would like the outfits. You'd love those bike shorts. <laughs> Well, that's just not a temptation for me at this point in life, but there, are, but I have several other temptations <laughs> as it relates to, uh, to coveting and, and being in, in some senses obsessed over things that God has said, Hey, that's, that's not to become an idol in your life. Yeah. So listen, on Sunday, um, we talked about three, I guess, three characters from the old Testament and really focused in on three lies that, uh, that we can believe when it comes to uh, this idea of coveting versus contentment. Um, Adam and Eve in Genesis 3 uh, believe this lie, if God really loves me, he'll give me what I want. And, and then you've got Achan in Joshua chapter 7. Achan's the guy that after the battle of Jericho, he went in and, and took a bunch of stuff that God said, hey, don't, don't take anything. Don't take any of the spoils of, of war for yourself. But he does it. He takes a bunch of stuff and hides it under his tent. And uh, then the end of the story is that um, Joshua through God confronts him and he's, he admits it, he uh, confesses. And, but then the consequences are that he's, uh, he's killed. He and his family and all of his stuff is burned and all the rest of that. And, and so the lie there is that just a little sin won't hurt anybody. I, I'm, I'm reading between the lines a little bit there with Aiken, but I, I think, you know, he brought it back to his tent and thought, if I can just cover this up, you know, eventually I'll be able to make, make something out of this. Eventually I'll be able to gain value out of this, or I can maybe save it for something later or whatever. Not, not even thinking about the fact that the rest of his family was living, literally sleeping right over the sin that he was trying to cover up. I mean, there it was right there. So the lie there is just a little sin won't hurt anybody. And then the last one is, is David in the famous story of David and Bathsheba. Um, as he looks over his kingdom, you know, hey, I, I was a shepherd. I've, I've worked hard. I've waited a long time. I deserve this. I deserve her. I deserve to have whatever I want. I have rights, you know, that kind of thing. And um, so those were the three lies that we kind of touched on. If God really loves me, he'll give me what I want. Just a little sin won't hurt anybody. And then David's, I, I deserve more or I deserve what I want. Which one of those, um, you know, resonates with you or, or maybe you think resonates with, I guess, especially the guys that are at our church or maybe other men that are listening right now, Abe? Yeah, those are super convicting. You know, as I was listening to listening to the message on Sunday, I was thinking about those and it, it, it's so easy to believe those lies, you know, especially, I think especially in our community and in our culture where we live, you know, it, it, it is this expectation, I deserve it, um, I have rights, uh, especially in today's culture, you know, everyone's talking about rights and what rights do I have and I'm an American and, you know, which is, you know, it's amazing that we get to live in this country, which it's a great country and uh, yeah, it's obviously got issues, but um, yeah, I think, I think, you know, if you ask me, I think that, you know, just a little sin is not going to hurt anybody. I think that's a, that's one that is, um, it's easy to, for me personally to just say, oh, it's, you know, it's not that bad or it's not that big of a deal. And, uh, but it does, you're right. It does affect a lot of people. It does affect my, my wife, my family, my, the guys I work with, the, the ladies I work with, our staff, the church. So it, it definitely is a, it's way bigger than just me. And, uh, I remember, I remember when I was a youth pastor talking with a buddy and we went through that and talked about, you know, if you, if you follow through with, you know, sin, whatever that is, you know, like what are the ramifications of that and play it out, you know, play that out. What, what, what does that mean for my kids? What does that mean for the Sadel community? What does that mean for the Sailorville community and the staff? And I mean, it's just, it just the ramifications. And I think, I think you need to mention that, you know, make a list of people that you, 
that are closest to you and what will be the effects of the sin that you commit that you think is just mine. Mm. You know, how does that affect all of those people? So that, you know, the secret, you know, secrecy, um, keeping it, keeping it hidden, you know, like Aiken. I mean, that, that's, I think, uh, what is it? Proverbs, uh, 28, 13, you know, not concealing your sin. Um, how does that go? I don't even remember it, but it, I, I think it's something about like, don't, don't be concealing your sin because it's not going to go well, you know? Um, can't you just see Aiken like, you know, almost justifying it like, Oh, this, this, I'll be able to use this for something good in the future. I, 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 I'll, I'll keep this for a while and nobody will know and I'll hide it. And, you know, I won't tell anybody. And, um, what harm could come from, what harm could come from this? I mean, my goodness, I, I'll, I'll give it back to God in a different way, or I'll use it to fund, you know, help build the temple or the tabernacle or whatever, or I'll, I'll give it to the, I'll give it to some charity that the church is running or, or whatever, you know, I, I just, uh, I just wonder how he rationalized that. And it's probably not hard to figure out because it's the same way that I rationalize that same thing. You know, I, it's okay for me to do that, to try to hide my sin, to try to lie about it, to try to pretend like it doesn't exist um, because of this, this, or this. And my guess is Aiken was, was somewhere along that line. Um, yeah, it's not hard, to, not hard to see how he would do that. But my goodness, the consequences are just massive. And I think, Abe, you, you mentioned it, you know, even our, even our um, community of people that don't know Jesus, you know, I live in a neighborhood where people know that, n- number one, I'm a Christian, number two, I'm a pastor, and they don't know everything that that means, but they see our small group over at our house, you know, every week, and they, they see people coming in and out, and they, they know we go places on Sundays and di- different times, and, you know, I come back from, I told them I was preaching this last weekend, and so they, you know, they know those types of things, so if there was any sort of sin that came public in my life, well, and this, like, this is a big moment, even for me to say this publicly like this, because there's accountability here, right? Like they, they would find out and the Lord's testimony, first of all, and then the testimony of our church and then my family and all the rest of it, that would just be crumbled. Not, not, um, not completely to shambles because God says, I will build my church. The gates of hell won't prevail against it. But, but I would do damage to the kingdom, even in my little neighborhood of like six, eight, ten houses of people that know us here. Yeah. Yeah. We don't often think about that side of the of the spread. We we talk about how you know the gospel spreads from person to person, and people find out about what kind of what kind of church we are and what kind of family we are and things like that. But, but people also see the other side of that as well. So what, I mean, what's, what's going to change that for us? What's going to change the live, the, the hearts, the minds of people to begin realizing that a little sin uh, affects a lot of people. What's it going to take? Yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the million dollar question. I mean, obviously the gospel is the, is the thing that's going to change us. You know, it's just like the gospel is going to change the culture. Um, and that, that is the same, essentially the same thing with when we think about our sin and, and the ramifications of it. I think it is that sensitivity to the Lord. You know, the more that we are in the word, the more that we're um, praying for that, the more we're in community, whether that's cell groups or meeting with a group. Of women or a group of men or um, high school students or middle school students. I mean, there's, there's people that are brought into our lives that confront us, that bring up things. But I think, yeah, you, you've got to see the bigger picture in it because otherwise it's just, you know, it's very self-serving to think it only affects me. You know, that, that's, a, that's a really small picture of, of our impact and our influence that we have, which we all do have influence. We all do have impact on people. We don't know it, but people are watching, people are listening, people are watching what we do, how we spend money, how we spend our time, what we post on social media. I mean, all of those things are speaking. All of those things are saying something about what we believe and who we are and what we're a part of. So I think it, I think it, it having, having a bigger picture of sin, the seriousness of it, uh, the confessing, confessing of sin that, uh, that definitely helps, but it, 
that's hard. I mean, it's easy for me to sit here on this thing and say, yeah, we should be confessing our sins, you know? And like most guys would say, yeah, that's like the hardest thing to do, especially to my wife or to my kids or, you know, that's, uh, that's, but that, that is, that is what Christ calls us to do is to, to do that and to, to share that with people and uh, deal with sin radically. You know, the idea of cut, cut off your hand if it causes you to sin. Cut up, you know, so that, that's a, it's easy to talk about. It's a lot harder to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or else everybody would be doing it and we wouldn't be having this conversation probably. Right. We, yeah. we do tend to maximize our successes and, and minimize our sins. You know, we want everybody to know about the things that we do well, <laughs> and we want very few people to hear about the things that we, um, our sins or the things that we don't do well. Uh, it's hard to talk about stuff like this, you know, especially from a, from a man's perspective, Abe, and I know women are listening to this as well, but um, from, a, uh, from a standpoint of coveting or wanting what's not yours, without getting into just, just very quickly the whole idea of pornography and the, the, the pandemic, you know, to use that sort of common term right now, that is pornography in not just around the world, but, um, but in the church and in, in families and in our, in our own lives. It's basically that, right? I, I want control. I want something that's not mine. I'm, I'm going to sin uh, in a vacuum, pretending like it doesn't affect anybody else. And maybe even the lie that David believed, I, I deserve more. Things aren't the way I want them to be in my life, maybe in my relationships, even if I'm married. Uh, so I'm going to go out and take what I think is mine. I, you know, just if you were sitting across a coffee table with a guy right now that said, hey, I, I'm struggling in this area. Just give me, I don't know, 60 seconds on what you would say. Uh, here, here's, here's the first thing that you need to do if you're struggling in this area. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an issue. There's no doubt about it. It's definitely an issue in the church. No doubt about it. All the statistics are saying that. I mean, everybody you talk to would say, yeah, it's, it's, you know, and it's so accessible, you know, <laughs> now with phones. Um, it's so much easier to act upon those desires. So it, it definitely is something that is a problem. Um, I, I think for, for a lot of guys, if I was talking to somebody, you know, to say, okay, one, you're not alone. It is, it is a common issue. It's not just something that you're dealing with, but um, the idea of, yeah, do I love, do I love my sin more or do I love Jesus more? I mean, that's a question that I even ask myself that, you know, like I, yeah. I know, I know what the ramifications of my sin can do. I know what it does to my soul and know what it does to my heart and to my mind. And, uh, you know, I, I've got to ask that question daily. Do I love Jesus more mm. than the sin? Do I love Jesus more than the stuff? You know, is Jesus better? I mean, that, that's the, I think that's the everyday question, you know, and I think that would be the thing I would say to that guy to say, do you, do you love Jesus more than your sin? And then what are you doing to fight it? You know, what are, what things are you putting in place? Have you talked to your wife? Do you have somebody else that you're talking to another guy, somebody in your cell group? Those are, um, but it, it, it's not something that most people want to talk about it because it's, um, I think one, because it's so rampant <laughs> and it's uh, it's an issue, but it, it, uh, it definitely needs to be talked about and dealt with because guys, you know, it's a, it's a constant fight, just, just like it is with um, anything else, whether, you know, for women, it's uh, clothing or materialism or a new house or decorations or whatever. I mean, it, that's why this whole conversation can be so broad uh, on a lot of levels. Um, whatever, whatever you're running to, you know, what is it that thing that you're running to besides Jesus when we lose control? And I think this pandemic that we're in, I think it's definitely caused people to say, I'm completely out of control. I, my, I don't have control of my kids schooling. I don't have control of what mask I have to wear and when, when do I have to wear it? And it, we are out of, we are out of control and <laughs> God is in control. Um, but that causes us to, ask a lot of tough questions in our heart and in our minds. Yeah, such a great observation, Abe. What is it, going back to the statement you made before about idols and, you know, if, if it's taken from me, then I, 
I'm willing to sin to get it back or whatever. I'm just thinking through this statement. Um, what, what am I holding on to so tightly that if someone took it from me, I would sin to get it back. I would be so angry or I would be so um, passionate about getting that thing back or about holding on to that if they started to pry my fingers off of that. You know, maybe that is pornography. Maybe it is whatever's in my garage or whatever house I have or my 401k or my job or my family or my reputation or my comfort or whatever it is. You know, when, when, when circumstances, ultimately when God begins to remove that fill in the blank thing from my life, what is it that I clamor back after? Like, ah, don't take that from me. Or however you react, like, oh man, I don't want that thing removed from me. That's a, that's a pretty good sign that that's probably an idol in, in, in my life when I react like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that, that's, you know, and even, even your question about, um, you know, you had asked in the, in the message, you know, before you buy something, before you click submit, you know, online, you know, ask yourself why, you know, I think that, 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 that whole conversation, as I was thinking about that, you, you were um, just the, the American culture, you know, I've asked this question in my mind, but it brought it up again when you were preaching the idea of who's making the rules when it comes to the American church and what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. Mm. So, explain that what do you mean by well, that? just what what what's okay and what's not you know how much money can i spend or how much money should i spend or whose money is it you know it's not ours it's not our money god gave it to us to manage to take to take care of to spend wisely and that that hopefully is something that goes through our minds before we hit cliff before we hit uh yeah, you know, or swipe the card. Uh, why, why am I getting this? Why am I buying this? Do I need this? And I think we've got to keep the biblical perspective in mind, not just what culture is saying. Mm. You know, how big a house do we need? I mean, how, how nice of a car do we need? How, how, how much money do we need to spend on certain things? And, I, and I'm guilty of all of those. I mean, man, I, I can think through the last year of all the stuff that I've thought about or researched or wanted to buy or get or thinking that it's going to make me happy and and realizing that yeah, Jesus is the only thing that's going to make us happy. All those other things are going to be temporary. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's such a, it's such a interesting topic. You know, you could talk forever on this stuff about how, but it is, it is our hearts, you know, we're desperately wicked. Who can know it? You know, we, we want to be in control. We want to find satisfaction in things and, I think it's going to be an ongoing um, battle. Yeah, it, it, it certainly is a battle. I mean, it, not only in our culture today, I mean, we're in the year 2020 in, in, in a United States of America, but Adam and Eve started it and they were in the garden of Eden. You know, they didn't have cell phones. Um, they, uh, they didn't have a lot of the, you know, conveniences or the temptations in a sense of in, in, in an external way that, that we do, but, it all starts in the heart, right? It's, it's Eve's story. It's Aiken's story. It's David's story. It's, it, it's my story. I see something, I, I want it bad. Uh, so I take it and then that affects people around me. And it's that same progression over and over. I see, I want, I take, and then it spreads. I see, I want, I take, and then it spreads to others. And so you're right. It is absolutely a heart issue and we've got to, we've got to get to the heart and the heart of the matter is, the gospel, and you're, you're saying it um, dead on. If we're satisfied in, in stuff more than we're satisfied with our Savior, no matter what that stuff is, uh, you know, we've got it backwards. We have to be totally and 100% fulfilled in our relationship with Jesus. And then everything else is a far second to him. When he's on the throne of our lives, then everything else is... Um, is uh is not the priority when he's king everybody else is second at least so i think you're i think you're right on that um we we got into just really quickly toward the end of the message some i, I don't know practical ideas or just maybe some thoughts on like actually how to live this contentment versus coveting um lifestyle and 
having stuff isn't bad. I mean, we're, we're both sitting here with, you know, technology and um, I'm not wearing the same three shirts over and over again, like, like I was, uh, which I have pro partly have you to blame for that because you, you know, you're a minimalist and, you know, and I look up to you for that and so many other <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know just to joke around a little bit but minimalism by itself doesn't doesn't help with anything you can you can be almost a reverse materialist you yep. can say i put so much um emphasis on material things that i'm just not going to buy anything i'm going to save all that money for for other things or i'm going to be pride prideful in how much i don't buy yep. <laughs> right so even minimalism with the wrong motivation is is not anywhere closer to like christ but I kind of walked through the seven core values and didn't really set it up like that. But, um, you know, we have these seven virtues practices here at Sailorville. And, and in, in my mind, this sort of helps us practice this whole lifestyle of contentment. So can we walk through these real quick? Maybe I'll just read them off and you can tell me um, the right answer about how to, how to practice right. contentment in this. Number one is it's the core value of the gospel. I mean, we want to practice remembering what we have in the gospel, whose we are, what Jesus has done for us, and what kind of standing we have in Christ. How does that help us uh, practice this lifestyle of contentment versus coveting? Remember what we have in the gospel. Yeah, I mean, I think we've, we've somewhat covered that already. You know, it, it is just realizing that in the midst of all of it, every, everything's going to come up short. Uh, of Christ and our relationship with Christ, whether you're you're born again, you're an actual Christian or not, you know. But then it's that daily surrender, the daily remembering the gospel in the midst of the crazy and the out of control. That's going to be the thing that's going to give us the most joy and the most fulfillment and the most satisfaction. Uh, keeping the gospel uh, number one. Yeah. So we list that first because everything kind of flows out of that. It's, it's a little bit of the Psalm 73, 25 mentality. Whom have I in heaven but you? And, and, and on earth, nothing I have, um, nothing I desire compares to you. So who do I have in heaven but you? I mean, God is our priority. Our salvation, if we're believers, absolutely has to be at the center of our lives. We want to be a gospel-centered church, but that can only happen if we're gospel-centered people as well, right? So then out of that is living on mission by telling others about Jesus in normal conversations, not just to set up this weird like uh, sales pitch or bait and switch or whatever, but just in normal everyday conversations, just talking to people about Jesus. How, how does living on mission help us um, breed that lifestyle of contentment? Yeah, I think it's a perspective, keeping things in perspective. What are we what are we here for? We're not here to accumulate a lot of stuff and have a sweet house and drive cool cars and go on great vacations. That's not, that's not why we're here, but we're here to be a light. We're here to be, um, to be a witness to those around us. And whether those are our neighbors or the people at the restaurant or whatever store we go into or sports teams we're on or music teams we're on. I mean, that's the idea is to, to keep that the focus and, make that come up in everyday conversation and that's sometimes that's harder said than done because for me you know I've got an agenda I, want, I got stuff I want to get done I want to keep moving you know and I, I look at that sometimes as a uh, oh man I don't I don't have time for this right now which is silly even to say that you know but it, it it's easy to just get into I got stuff to do I got to get done I got to get my kids I got to run back home whatever that is and you miss those opportunities that God has placed in front of you to be a witness to be an example yeah, no, I love that. I, I, I think in, in my world, the things that are important to me come out in conversation. You know, Abe, you and I spend a lot of time talking and you're one of those guys that I sort of open my heart up to. Um, so I apologize for that. But uh, <laughs> the things that are important to me, I, I just talk about a lot. Am I talking about Jesus a lot in my conversations? Is he a priority? If he's a priority, if he's a focus of my life, then I will be talking about him, especially a guy like me that sort of processes things verbally. Um, if I'm living on mission, I will be talking about him. And that is a perspective thing, like you, like you said, uh, that changes the way I think, I speak, and ultimately I act, and even how other people perceive me. Okay, number three is, is to deal with worship. Wake up each day with a posture of worship 
instead of worry. I guess this is where this came from for me. Um, you know, seek first the kingdom and, and all these things will be added to you, right? So Jesus says, don't, don't worry about things. That's what the Gentiles do. The people that don't know Jesus are concerned about these things. I'm going to take care of you if you seek first the kingdom. So put the right thing first and everything else is going to take care of itself. When I'm worried about um, my bank account or my paycheck or my job or my car or my stuff, it's really hard to worry and have that perspective of worship at the same time. Uh, it's almost like those two things occupy the same space in my heart and in my mind. And if I'm worrying about stuff, then I can't be 100% worshiping, giving my life to a savior, right? So, so maybe in, in my mind, it's just to wake up every morning and almost click that switch that says, I'm not going to worry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live today in a lifestyle of worship. And that leads to contentment, at least in my world. Yeah. Yeah, that's for, that's for sure. I think it is. a, And it's an everyday thing. I feel like there's days I wake up and I'm like, yep, absolutely. And the next day I wake up and it's like, I'm completely distracted and I'm worrying and I'm running around with my head cut off trying to figure out what to do and figure out the problems and it and it uh you know i know if if pastor numbers was listening to this you know he's he's a big advocate for getting up right away spending time with the lord you know in the word and prayer and and there's a reason for that it's to get your heart right it's to get your mindset right to realize that yeah am i really trusting the lord today and you know that that's that idea of the sovereignty of god that he's he's way more in control than I am and I don't have all the answers and I don't know how today is going to go, but do I trust him at the end of the day to say, this is what's best for me, for my family, for our church, even though I would never draw it up that way, but God, God's got a way better plan than we do. Yeah. I love the way you said that. Who am I trusting? Basically worry is trusting myself or, or, or some other human entity. Um, worship is, is trusting God and realizing that he's going to do what he said he was going to do. He is who he says he is. Um, yeah. And, and the best way to do that every day is to practice that discipline of getting in God's word and having that open line of communication with him uh, even right away when you wake up uh, or very quick, very, very soon after you wake up. Yeah, that's really good. Number four, share close community with people who love you enough to challenge you. You talked about that. I mean, we've got to have people around us that can actually, uh, that, that see the real us, that challenge us when they see us starting to step off the, the path a little bit. They're close enough to us that they know when we're stepping off the path, when they know when we're starting to get a, a, some covetous eyes, when we're starting to lust after something or even... Um, uh, we've got a guy on staff that, that comes into my office and maybe into your office every once in a while and says, Hey, are, are you doing okay? And he usually knows when something's wrong with me before I know it, because that's how well he knows us. Right. And almost every time he's asked that he's, he's nailed it. There is something that's going on. Well, you have to be close enough in community for people to actually know that about you. So um, being in community actually leads to contentment because not only are you sharing things instead of always grabbing things and wanting things, but you're actually challenging and encouraging each other to be more like Jesus at the same time. You've seen that, right? Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah I think that's a, that's a great, it's a great um, thing to be praying about, to have somebody like that in your life that you can ask. I, I think I've had a couple of guys in my life that have, have, come to me and said, Hey, you, you have, anytime you see something in my life or whatever, you have permission to say something, or they'll ask me like, what do you see in my life right now? Like that I'm challenged by that to do that to other people. Like I need to do that for my own soul because people see things in me that I just don't see. And I see things in people they don't see, you know, but that mm -hmm. is the, that is the community. Um, but to ask somebody, Hey, what, what do you see in me? And what areas do I need to get better at and be more like Christ? I think those are, those are really good conversations to have. Yeah. And the Hebrews 3.12 principle there is if, if you don't do that, then our hearts can become really uh, deceitful and evil and callous and can fall away from, from the living God. And not only if you don't do that to me, but if I don't practice doing that in your life and, and yeah. part of falling away from God is putting other things on the, on the throne in my life other than, other than him. Good. 
three more real quick. We'll just wrap these up. Put the needs of others first by serving them. That leads to contentment. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know of another practical way to say that, but when you're more concerned about the needs of others than you are about your own, it's really hard to be selfish when you're, when you're, I suppose it's possible, but when you're serving others and putting their needs before your own, um, it's hard to, it's hard to be obsessed with something that shouldn't be yours when you're concentrating on how God is meeting the needs of other people through you. And that yeah. leads to the generosity thing too, right? So investing in the temporary, as opposed to investing in God's kingdom, when we invest in the temporary primarily and not God's kingdom, which is eternal, then it's really easy for us to get narrow-minded and, and focused on ourselves and, and covet the things of this world instead of the things of the kingdom. And then number seven for us is obedience or growth. And essentially that's focus on progress, not perfection. So uh, some of us have this, this, um, this mentality that if like, I can't do it a hundred percent, if I can't reach the pinnacle right away, right now, then I'm just not going to do. He's very concerned about the little steps that we take and the process that we use to get to who he wants us to be. And even those little steps are helping us be more like Jesus in the long run anyway. So um, what do you think about that last one? Just that obedience, the little steps lead to big changes over time. Yeah, I was going to make one comment on the last one too. The, the, if you, the challenge it would be would be as if you're lacking joy ask yourself if you're actually serving people. I remember someone telling me that years ago and just saying, uh, the, more, the more you focus on others, the more joyful you'll be. The more you focus on yourself, the more miserable you'll be. Yeah. And I think that's been a great, it's a great, I've, I've asked myself that multiple times uh, going through life and ministry. Like, you're not serving anybody. You've got a, you've got a selfish mindset, Abe. And yep. that's why you're lacking joy. So yeah. I would say that. And then, yeah, the small steps. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, we, we want to, you know, we're in a, we're in a culture that's like, we want instantaneous everything and we can get it in a lot of places, except in, in our growth. You know, a lot of times yeah. it's, it's small steps of obedience over time consistently when nobody sees, nobody's watching, nobody heard about it. Nobody saw it, but, but God did. And that's got to be the thing that drives us, because if we're just looking for human um, affirmation, the, the motivation's wrong. We've got we've got to know that yeah, God sees it all. He sees everything. He hears everything. He knows our intentions and our motivations, and that's got to be what drives us. Yeah, really good, Abe. Thank thanks for speaking into my world over the last several years, and continue to do that even today. You've done that. I, people pay big money to spend 60 minutes with Abe Miller with, with this kind of wisdom. So uh, thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for doing it for free. Yeah, no, it was a blast. Uh, thank you. It's fun. It's fun talking about this stuff. This is, uh, this is fun stuff to just talk about, discuss, uh, get the right perspective on even as we're talking. You know, it, it helps me to kind of got to keep going back through it because you can get off base a lot of times. So appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've been, if, uh, if I've been struck by anything over the last several weeks here, it's, it's been this statement that I made at some point on Sunday. Coveting says that I want more. And so much of my world is, is wrapped up in that statement, right? I want more. That just, that's the motivation behind a lot of my actions, to be honest with you. But contentment says I have all I need in Jesus. Jesus has to be my ultimate satisfaction. All I have is in Christ. And is that true in my life? I, I really hope it is. That is the key to eradicating that sin of, uh, of covetousness um, in my life. And uh, so to so those that are listening and watching along with this, if this actually worked, you know, if we got it recorded and stuff, then I believe that's the key for all of us. Finding that satisfaction in um, in Christ, which is the gospel. It's our salvation and our daily walk with him, as opposed to finding our satisfaction in stuff or in people or someone uh, other than Jesus, right? Final word, yeah. Abe, it's all you. Yeah, yeah. Final word, as you were talking there, I just was thinking, you know, that's, it's such a, it's a lie. The, the idea, like, I have, I have to keep reminding myself of that. Like, don't believe the lie that somehow 
this stuff or this thing or my kids, you know, success in school or sports is going to somehow fulfill that. I, I can't believe that lie. And every day I have to remind myself of Jesus is better. Jesus is the answer. You know, more people, more like Jesus. That's got to be the thing that we have to believe is true. And it is true. We believe it's true. Yep. It's just, it's just so hard in this culture and where we're at. And um, I guess my other, my other word would be, and this is something that I've wrestled with, but I would get off social media for a while. <laughs> I think that's a huge distraction uh, with, it can be really good, but it also can be a huge, huge distraction and really um, get your focus off of the Lord because there's just so much happening right now. Um, take, take, a, take a social media fast, go, go a couple of days and just shut it off and just spend time with the Lord. And I have to do that. I have to just be like, you know what? This is not going to give me what I need. Spending time with the Lord, meditating, praying, fasting, those are the things that are going to give me more joy than social media. So that's just my, that's my little rant at the end of this whole thing. <laughs> yeah, that's really good, Abe. That's good, especially in our age and especially, uh, you know, what's going on in the world around us. Social media is, uh, if we're not careful, it can be like a buffet to the guy that struggles with eating, right? You know, if we struggle with coveting eyes or coveting heart, then social media can be just that buffet of temptation for us. And if we're not careful, we just can, um, with, with no discretion, just consume all of those temptations and compare ourselves to everybody on social media and uh, really go a long way away from, from being content in our, in our Savior and start to chase down stuff and someone else's life a lot quicker than we really want to. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Good stuff. Hey, my Thanks. friend. Yeah, thanks for doing this. Appreciate you and uh, your influence in, in my life and so many others and your great example. And uh, I guess I'll, I'll see you soon. All right, sounds good. See ya. Okay, thank you to the rest of you looking in and listening in. And we pray that God has uh, encouraged you and even challenged you through this. And uh, God bless Sailorville family.